Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. I want to show you a postcard I received from our church secretary, Mimi. Mimi was down in Texas visiting some relatives recently, and she got this postcard from the Rio Grande. There, Rio Grande, Rio Grande. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And it's a picture of John Wayne. I think this is a movie about the Alamo, but whatever it is, it's uh, not sure what it is, but it's John Wayne. There it is, the Duke. So thank you for that, Mimi. <laughs> Appreciate that. We are in uh, Jeremiah, uh, chapter number seven uh, today in our Bible. And we talked about this sermon that God had positioned Jeremiah to preach, and he positioned him right at the gate of the temple. What a place. And as these people are coming in with their sacrifices to offer to God and expectant hearts to sing and to worship, uh, they some of them had come from long distances during the feast times to attend temple worship, and this was a highlight for them. Can you imagine what a downer it must have been to have this crazy preacher at the front door telling them, you're not right, get right with God, change your ways, change your habits, get right, start treating people right, quit being idolatrous. I mean, what a message. And that was the message that God was giving through Jeremiah to these people who were just playing a religious game. Look at verse number eight of our text. The Bible says, behold, trust, behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. I, I think one of the main reasons why believers, even today, persist in their mediocre, lukewarm ways is because we surround ourselves with people and even leaders, even preachers, can I say? that tell us the things that we want to hear. And there's a certain confirmation bias that we all have when it comes to our behavior. We, we Nobody wants to be confronted. Nobody wants to be corrected. We all always want to think that we're doing things basically right or that our behaviors or our priorities are justified. So it's so much easier to make sure that we're consuming information that validates what we're already doing. That's such a dangerous thing. Sometimes we talk about the idea of an echo chamber, that we put ourselves in positions where we're only hearing the things that we already agree with, that we're, already, we're only hearing those things that validate or substantiate what we want to be true. And that is so, so very dangerous. That's why the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And the, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And we need to be w willing to hear the hard, sometimes bad news. We've called this entire podcast series from the book of Jeremiah, the hard truth. That's what it is. Being willing to tell people the hard things. That's what's happening at the door of the temple. God, through Jeremiah, is telling these people the things that they don't, they don't want to hear. 
but the things that they desperately need to hear. And what's keeping them from hearing it? The fact that they're listening to lying words. So much easier to hear the things that make us look good than the things that make us look bad. Look at verse number nine. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, and swear falsely? So what is this? This is God calling out the people of God on their sinful behavior. There's no wiggle room here. Stealing, murdering, committing adultery, swearing falsely or bearing false witness. Uh, These are four of the Ten Commandments. Are, Are you going to play this game? You're going to come and worship me. You're going to come and do all of these externally religious things. And yet you are engaged in violating, abrogating my covenant with you as as depicted by the Ten Commandments. You're going to steal. You're going to kill. You're going to commit adultery. You're going to lie. You're going to swear falsely. The Bible says in verse number 9, and burn incense unto Baal. You're going to worship false gods and somehow think and justify that that's right? And walk after other gods whom ye know not. So God just calls it out here. He calls sin what it is. He doesn't use euphemism like many of us do when it comes to sin. We don't call sin sin anymore. We always have an excuse so it's it's not stealing, it's not murder, it's not committing adultery. It's like, well, it was an affair. Uh, I well, but I love her. It was well, everybody lies. It, it we just give ourselves these passes, and what the Lord does here is He just kind of puts it in the face of the people to say, you have violated the known commandments that I have given you. And all the while pursuing false worship and false gods. Verse number 10, and come and stand before me. So you live like this with no intention to change, and that yet you'll come and stand before me as if somehow I don't see, as if somehow this activity, this appearance before me in the temple in some way covers what you really are, how you really live, thinking that somehow there's kind of some magic spoofle dust that will make you appear to be something that you're not because you come to this temple? Is that is that your philosophy? Verse number 10, you come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Is that your mindset? Is your mindset that somehow your religion is on a credit card system, that you can just come and make some sacrifices to God, come and give to him, come and worship him, come and sing to him, come and do all of the external religious things, and somehow that buys you credit to be able to do these other abominations? Is that your philosophy? I think sometimes if we're not careful, we adopt what I'll call a very Catholic philosophy, like this philosophy of indulgence. Like, you know, I know I'm doing wrong, but I, I but I'll go to church on Sunday, you know. But I'll, I'll I'll make sure I give a good donation in the offering plate. Yeah, I'll make sure that I offer an extra sacrifice on the altar. Remember what 
Samuel said to Saul, he said, does the Lord delight in, in sacrifices? I don't care what you intend to give to him or how you intend to justify. Oh, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, God doesn't want what you can give him physically. He wants your heart. He, he, wants, he wants the sincerity of your heart. He wants you. And what was happening here is these people were kind of operating on this religious barter system that somehow if I do this, then that earns me the right to do this and God will overlook this. And it's kind of a tit for tat and nothing could be farther from the truth. Look at verse number 11. In this house, which is called by my name. That's the second time God has said that. This house, it's called by my name. You're here in a place that's named after me, that represents my very presence, and yet your heart is belying that, that very thing. You're, you're called by my name. You're my people. You're Israel. You're called by my name too. And yet you are doing anything but operating within the scope of my integrity and my character. It's This is called by my name. You think about when we go to church, I don't know what the name of your church is, but the name of our church is Faith Baptist Church. I wonder, do I come to Faith Baptist Church, but I don't live by faith? I'm not trusting God. Maybe I go to Grace Baptist Church and I show no grace to others. Isn't it interesting sometimes that we have all the right names to our churches, to our things, even to our children, but we don't operate within the real meaning of those names? How sad is that? I was recently with a dear friend in New Zealand in a place called Christchurch. What a name, Christchurch. And yet to go to that place, it's anything but Christ's church. Uh, what's in a name? Not much if there's no substance behind it. And that's what the Lord is saying here. Verse number 11, in this house, which is called by my name, uh, is this house, rather, that is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? I mean, really, you, you, you call it the temple, but really, what is this place for you? you? You call it the house of God, but really, what is this place for you? God says, is it a den of robbers, a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. So famous is this statement in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 11 that Jesus actually quotes it. Remember when Jesus cleanses the temple, both at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, when Jesus went in and he cast out the money changers and take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise, you've made it a den of thieves. We even use that terminology today, den of thieves. Well, that's where that came from. Jesus was quoting Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 11. You think it's the temple of God. You call it the temple of God. You call it a place of worship. But really, it's a place where all of these people with duplicitous motives, these people that don't deal with their ways and their habits, they're stealing, they're killing, they're committing adultery, they're worshiping false gods. And really, this gathering place that should be a place of worshiping God has really become a gathering place for fellow thieves. And God says, don't you think I see that? See, a den of thieves was a place where the thieves thought, well, no one will catch us here. We're safe here. We're protected here. No one will find us here. 
And yet God says, I know exactly where you are. You can't hide behind religion. You can't hide behind your religious deeds. You can't hide behind that fancy suit that you wear or that big offering that you give or that feigned kneeling at that altar at the end of that message or that greeting or that ushering or that choir singing or that, no, I see your heart. I see it. And that's what God's driving at here. The externality of religion is just that. It's just a veneer. It's just the the makeup on top of the skin. And what God is looking for is real and authentic heart worship that shows itself in a fidelity toward God and a faithful service of other people. Now, we're going to come back to that several times because that's what the entire message is about. The excuses that God's people give are amazing, though. Not just 2,600 and 2,700 years ago, but even today. And we'll talk more about that as we uh, work our way through the passage. So we're going to quit there, verse number 11. We'll start uh, again in verse number 12 next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.